Any of you old enough to remember that one? From Cheers, and I know it's about a bar, okay? And so you're going to have to have worked with me there a little bit. But there's something about these words that I think is pretty significant, that, that uh, in our series today we're starting on, on Life Together. Uh, you probably noticed the front of the bulletin, you kind of got it, right? Life Together, <laughs> there's just a few words on there that say Life Together. There's something about these words. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to know where you can see that our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people know that people are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Something about wanting to be known. There's something about needing that connection with people that's kind of part of who we are. I've been known to drive a little extra if I'm a different place in town to go to a certain Starbucks in town because uh, when I go through the drive-thru, the moment I start my order, they go, good morning, Brent. You want two again this morning, one of those caffeinated and one of those decaffeinated. And uh, um, peppermint mocha, grande hot, uh, one pump of each, non-fat, no whip. They rattle the whole thing off. And I've tested this. I can tell that even before they can see me with the video camera, because, you know, they have little video cameras there. And so, but even before they can see me, they will still say this. The minute the, I start my order, it just makes me feel good. Um, it's probably a good marketing strategy because they definitely keep me coming back. I don't know that any of those people, I'm very polite to them and they're polite to me, but I don't know that they care deeply about my life, but, um, uh, it just makes me feel a little bit better. And so there's, you know, something about that. Now, some of you are going, he goes to Starbucks that often. Um, and we're going to talk about that another time. Okay. The, uh, the addiction service is going to be on another uh, weekend, and so we'll, we'll get back to that one. But, but there's just something about that need to, to be connected. Um, years ago, there was actually an element in architecture that is almost gone today um, that was very prevalent when any house was built. It was called the front porch. Remember older houses that had these huge front porches that people would sit out? On and just, you know, spend time with and other people and friends and family. And I was born in a little town called Lebanon, Indiana, and it's a little north of Indianapolis. And, and we had these big houses with big front porches. And when my family would all sit out on the front porch, uh, we would uh, um, see people walking up and down the sidewalks. And inevitably, my family or uh, one of them would be looking for a family that they knew, and they would invite them up, and they would come up and sit there, and they'd visit together. And there was this natural built-in community that was part of even the architecture um, in the world. Well, we moved to Indianapolis, the big city, pretty soon after that. And, and even though we didn't have the big front porch, uh, my mom would oftentimes leave, like during the summer when I was out of school, she would leave and go next door to get the proverbial cup of sugar or a flower, and it would take way longer than the cup of sugar would take. And she was gone oftentimes for about an hour and a half. And I came to understand that the whole purpose of that was to sit around the, the uh, dining room table with the neighbor friend, um, just talking and connecting, and they did life together. And I think they were probably talking about as kids and how they deal with us. And, but there was something that was just built into culture. Today, Things have changed a little bit. We don't have front porches. Um, 
we have six-foot privacy fences, uh, most of us. And, and I have come to really appreciate my garage door opener, as a matter of fact. Because when I go home after a stressful day of talking to people and being around lots of people, I don't really want to talk to anybody, to be honest with you. Uh, I like the ability to hit the garage door opener, to pull my car in, hit the garage door opener again, and it closes before I get out of the car. Um, so therefore, I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. And then we tend to then go into our homes and look for some kind of entertainment, or we go to the new architectural feature in today's world, which is in the backyard. It's the back deck, or the people are spending tens of thousands of dollars on on their decks and their um, water features and all of these kind of things so that we can go in, be by ourselves, just be quiet, um, and, and, and kind of pull in. So some, some things are changing in just the nature of our world that we live in. And yet all of us are around a lot of people. We're with a lot of people all the time. With social networking, we have a chance to connect with people from years ago and connect with people that we've barely met. We can connect with them. But our society still has this growing sense of isolation and of separation. You know, even with social media and all the good things that come from that and the good connection with relationships, there's some negative things, as we all have experienced. You know, just a couple of them is you can replace that and not have the face-to-face personal interaction because you're spending so much time on your social media. It's also easy to unfriend someone that way. It's a lot easier to just click, I've unfriended you, than to say that to them. I can block you from my cell phone or my email. Or if you write something on my blog that I don't really like, delete. We tend to isolate and we can find ourselves having our communication all be about what makes me comfortable. What relationships are good for me and how do I isolate myself? So in a sense, we are becoming disconnected from people around us. And with that disconnection comes some discontent. We don't feel as good about ourselves. We don't feel as comfortable. And that's because we're created for relationship. God made us to have relationships. If you take a look in in Genesis 1 and 2, excuse me, in the very beginning, we see God creating the world and creating all these things. And he creates something, and and then he says, and it is good. And then he creates something else, and he goes, and it is good. And then on the sixth day, he creates man, and he says, and it is very good. And then just a few verses down, we take a look, and it says, man was alone, and it is not good. God made us to have relationship with one another, and it's not just marriage. He wants us to have that close connection and that close relationship. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who he created us to be from the very beginning. John Ortberg in his book called Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. Heard of that? (laughs) Um, But he comments about this Genesis uh, passage, I think, in a very... um, to some very, very important things that are very insightful. He said, what is striking is the fall has not yet occurred. In this creation story that Janice was talking about, the fall has not yet occurred. There is no sin, no disobedience, nothing to mar the relationship between God and man. 
The human being is in a state of perfect intimacy with God. Each word he and God speak with each other is filled with closeness and joy. He walks with God in the garden in the cool of the day. He is known and loved to the core of his being by his omniscient, love-filled creator. Yet the word God uses to describe him is alone. And God says this aloneness is not good. Sometimes in church circles, when people feel lonely, we will tell them not to expect too much from human relationships, that there is inside every human being a God-shaped void that no other person can fill. That is true. But apparently, according to the writer of Genesis, God creates inside this man a kind of human-shaped void that God himself will not fill. No substitute will fill this need in you for human relationships. Not money, not achievement, not busyness, not books, not even God himself. Even though this man was in a state of sinless perfection, he was alone, and it was not good. That's really insightful. Um, Dennis referred to Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says that we're made in the image of God. Um, Preston mentioned that this is Trinity Sunday. Uh, this idea of God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this concept that we've tried for generations to try to understand fully on what does that actually mean. We have a God who is a relational God, that he, by his very essence, is relationship, uh, is relational. And he has created us, so this relational God has created us in his image to be relational, that that's a part of, of who we are and what we've designed, been designed to, um, to be. Now, as you look throughout uh, the scripture, it'll talk about the Trinity. It'll talk about this idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how they interplay with each other. However you, your brain wraps itself around the Trinity, um, it communicates very clearly the different elements of what we've been created in the image of. So let's look at a few of those. First of all, Genesis, Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, notice the language, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them then rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So one thing we see about the Trinity, the Trinity is that, 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 that he enjoys creation, being creative. Let's take a look at Matthew 3.17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We see the Trinity encouraging one another, speaking life to each other. John fourteen twenty five. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, so we see all the elements of the Trinity, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Trinity supports one another in that Trinity. Mark 9, 7, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. We see that the Trinity loves one another. John 14, 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So the Trinity defers to one another. 
John 17, 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. The Trinity lifts one another up and glorifies each other. So as part of our very DNA, we've been created again in this image, in the image of this relational God. Uh, we have been designed to do the same thing, to do these characteristics, to, to, to walk these out. Jesus, just a few, uh, few sentences later, Janice just read John 17, 1, where, where the famous prayer of Jesus, where he prays for himself and he prays for his disciples, then he prays for those that would come to know him through his disciples. So we see how important this is to him in John 17, 11, where he prays for his disciples. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Then he goes on in verse 21, 20 and 21 and prays for the rest of us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you um, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe, so the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus is reinforcing here that, that you have been created to do these things, these things that the Trinity does. Support each other, love each other, affirm each other, honor each other, um, uh, glorify each other, um, speak life to each other, that that's part of how we've been designed. It says that the world may believe that you have sent me. What Jesus is saying is people believe in him by what they see in us. We show them what life in him is all about. Those of us that were around in the Jesus movement, remember the 70s? I know at least some of you were in the Jesus movement. We used to sing that song, they will know we are Christians by our love. The world is looking to us to see, is this Jesus thing real? Is a relationship with him something that really makes a difference in your life or not? We see this a little bit earlier in John, in chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, Jesus is speaking, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Francis Schaeffer in his book, The Mark of a Christian, says, Our relationship with each other is the criterion that the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. People are looking at how we relate to one another to really see Jesus. As I was reading it this week, I started thinking about just stuff that I know about some of you guys that I've heard just in the last couple weeks, things that I've heard of somebody going through a difficult time and people were there for them, to pray with them, to check on them, to comfort them. I heard about a, a family that desperately, a couple that desperately needed to get away from their children. You know, <laughs> we need to love you from a distance, kids. Uh, and somebody paid for them to go to the date your mate weekend so that they could have that break and that time that they needed away. I heard of uh, somebody else that is way past the small children stage that volunteered to work with small children during the summer so that some of the workers could get a break. And so there would be less stress on some of the nursery workers. That's showing our love. That's showing community and showing people how we operate together 
as a healthy body that loves one another and that's working to glorify God in all the things that we do. If you lived in the pastor arena for the last decade, this word community has just been thrown around all over the place. And and a lot of what I hear, I get emails, I get letters in the mail, I get all kind of paraphernalia. A lot of it is trying to sell some product or something. Most of it, I just hit the delete button. Um, but the general idea that I get from most of this is that this idea of community, this idea of connecting your people is for the purpose of building your church bigger. The way you get a bigger church is you get small groups and you get this going and get that growing. It'll make your church bigger. We want to make it very clear. That is not the purpose of why we're doing this series. Uh, that's not the purpose of why we're talking about connection and living life together. Uh, it's because of what you're designed to be. How you are designed by the, in the very nature of God to be in relationship with one another. Now, if there are connections that are made and that builds strength in a community and that's, that community grows, then so be it. That's, that's great. But the heart of this is to be about living in the image of God, in the image that we were created in. Um, Larry Crabb, in his foreword to the book called The Connecting Church, says, the future of the church depends on whether it develops true community. We can get by for a while on size, skilled communication, programs to meet every need, but unless we sense we belong to each other with mass off, the vibrant church of today will become the powerless church of tomorrow. Stale, irrelevant, a place of pretense, where sufferers suffer alone. Where pressure generates conformity rather than the spirit creating life. That's where the church is headed unless it focuses on community. So what are we talking about? What is community? When you think of that word, probably some images come to life believe that it's very important that we don't regulate this or put this in a box. That's why we're not unveiling today this new plan for community that we want everybody, this is going to fix all of our community, uh, the lack that we have, and connect all of our lives together. We believe that this happens on several levels. And all of these levels are important. And we're not going to be operating in all of these at the same time. Um, but all of these are important. Uh, if I could break them down into into some structure, it would be that we have a public environment. Community happens in a public environment. We also have social settings, a social environment. We also have private or personal kind of connections. And then we also have intimate. So, so what are these? The first one is public. Obviously, this is a public forum today. There's too many people here this morning for you to even though you recognize some names and faces, there's no way that we're going to have time to introduce everybody. And even if we did, we wouldn't remember but five people's names uh, if we just heard it the first time. And so that's, we're not going to have that kind of relationship here. I used to say that you can't really have community in this setting. And I really, have had, really feel like the Lord's corrected me on that because there really is something that happens when we're in a big environment like this. In all of our settings, in all of our services this morning, they've been too big to, for everybody to really, you know, sit around the table and really get to know each other. Uh, but something happens when you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. Didn't we all experience that last night? Did you watch the game? Sweet. There was the game. Um, <laughs> yes, there was a game on, honey. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, now, I have never met any of the Thunder. 
but I am so with them. They are so my brothers, you know, um, because we're connected, aren't we? I mean, we're a part of this. Um, Dr. Vu was when, in one of our, uh, we had a little gathering last night, and, and he said, um, he said, well, last game was lightning, but tonight is the thunder. Um, you know, we say these little things like that, you know, um, and we wear teams. We, you know, I was thinking, I saw in, in watching, you know, they had a lot of people had blue shirts on and white shirts on, and I was going, I want my shirt. I want to be about that. You know, we all have the paraphernalia of our teams. Uh, sports is a, is a good context in that. We're part of something that's bigger than we are. Um, I've lived in Tulsa for 38 eight years since I was a freshman in college. Wow. We're a very young freshman. We were young freshmen. Um, and so being in Tulsa, I've kind of become a Dallas Cowboys fan. I've been that just kind of, you know, naturally. I have never, Leon, uh, Deion Sanders is the only Dallas Cowboy that I have ever met personally. I don't know any of those guys. They've come and gone, but I've been a fan. Now, the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, were not even in Indianapolis when I was there. They didn't come until after I left um, <laughs> um, to college. But I've been a Peyton Manning fan because I'm from there. Isn't that interesting how we connect with sports teams because of where we're from or whatever? Now, Peyton's freaking me out because he's going to Denver. Denver? They're like the enemy. Um, but anyway, there's just something about that. There's something about that connection that happens significantly, I think, in that, in that public arena. Now, we hope that here you will be able to connect on several of the other levels we're going to talk about today. But we're not going to push you. Some of you will never go past the public arena. You, this is your experience, and that's okay. This is what you get something out of. Maybe it's a season in your life. Maybe it's just your personality, whatever that is. It's okay. We're not going to push you, but we're going to provide other opportunities. But we're not going to push you. There's value in each level of connection. With my personality, I tend to be much more the social, and I tend to be more of the personal. So when I'm in this environment, I love being with you all, but let's go to lunch. Or why don't you come to one of the things that I'm doing, and that way I'll really get to know you better. But Jesus understood that people connected at all different levels, and he was respectful of that to meet people exactly where they are. And that's our role as well. We want to meet you exactly where you are. See the scripture in Matthew 8, 5 through 13 with Jesus and the centurion. And it shows how Jesus respected him for where he was and what he wanted. In verse 5, it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. I'm going to come to your house, and I will heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does that. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. We know the story. We know 
as we see in, in verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that hour. It says that the man was uncomfortable having Jesus come to his house. He was, didn't feel that he deserved it. Or in Luke, it says he didn't feel worthy. Instead of Jesus trying to convince him and go, no, I want to lay hands on him and heal him. No, I want to come to, into your house. You are worthy. He respected his feelings and said, okay, I still will heal your servant. We want to be respectful of where people are at. And if you're only comfortable in the public arena, that's great. If you want to move into a social arena, that's good. But we want to respect people for exactly where they are. Look at the next area, which is the social, which is a little smaller gatherings than this. It's, it's uh, still not the intimate, the real small, but it's a little smaller than this where you can kind of um, get a little sense of the people who are involved in that. The kinds of things that we have here, it might be the, the uh, Simply Sisters monthly events where uh, quite a few ladies get together and have different kind of experiences. It's our monthly men's pancake breakfast, which I'll give a little shout out for that this morning. Um, this Saturday, 8 o'clock, our own Bill Sherman's going to be there. For The religion writer for the Tulsa World is going to share his testimony of what it's like to work in that arena and what, how God has brought him in his life and, and uh, what it's like to work with people from different faiths. It might be some of you that are in MOPS or Mothers of Preschoolers or Financial Peace University or those kinds of things. These settings are, are a little smaller so that um, you can, um, again, get get a sense of names and put names to faces, but it's still big enough that you can kind of check out the waters. You can see, is this safe? We say it's an environment to share snapshots of your life story. So you share where you go to work or, you know, your family and your children and kind of that kind of thing. But you can kind of test it out and see, are these people safe? Do I want to open my life up further to them or not? Um, very helpful arena to have some of, of things that are that size. And then we have the personal level. And this is the group of people that you share more of your life with. This is what's going on in my family. This is what's going on my, in my life. Let's pray together over some of the things that we're battling with right now. These are my joys. These are the good things that are going on with me. This may be our high school group. It may be our, our junior high group. It could be our women's Bible studies. Could be our men's small groups. It's definitely our life groups. Life group is 8 to 12 people that gather together, sometimes weekly, sometimes every other week. But we do life together. These are our friends. These are the people that we share what's really going on in our lives. And then finally, we have the intimate. This is this is one-on-one, um, even three people. We've talked about our encouragement groups, e-groups, where it's, three men or three women that get together. This is where we just open our hearts up. One of the most powerful places that we can live is to be fully known and fully accepted, to be fully known, to be fully loved, to be understood. Uh, Genesis talks about the idea of being naked but not ashamed, where we open our lives and our hearts. Now, before somebody writes something or emails us, okay, it's not, we don't get naked, okay, don't really get naked, all right? <laughs> Um, but there's this opportunity for this safe, secure environment to be fully known and, and, and fully accepted. Now, it would be impossible to sustain all of our relationships on that level. 
where everybody that you knew that you went, you met at the, in the men's group or the women's group or met on Sunday mornings, that you're going to have that personal uh, intimacy with. It's not even, we're not even supposed to, but we're supposed to have some. I've been amazed at how many people don't have any of these in their life. They don't have a person that they can say, this is who I am, that they can totally open their hearts up and, and to be, be fully known in that. We believe you need that in your life. And those things develop over time as you pray and consider. Um, but something happens in the midst of those moments. These will be few in your lives, and they'll be very precious. They're things that we guard. They're things that we value. Larry Crabb said, when two people connect, when their beings intersect, something is poured out of the one and into the other that has the power to heal the soul of its deepest wounds and restore it to health. But that rarely happens. When we find that, when we have it in our lives, we need to treat it as a precious and a fragile thing. We need to treat it like fine china. Brent will often say that people treat their marriages like old Tupperware. They don't treat it like fine china. They just take it for granted. They don't worry about it having bumps and bruises. They don't think that it could break. We need to take our close relationships and truly value them and truly protect them. Yes, they can be the source of a lot of stress, a lot of pain, and a lot of disappointment. But when we find the right ones, they can also be incredibly healing. We just have to look for the people that will be confidential, that are accepting, that are genuine, that have empathy, and are safe. And then we need to ask ourselves, am I that person? Am I a safe person to people around me? Am I understanding of people? Am I accepting of them? Am I somebody that people can trust with their stuff? That's what builds intimate relationships. All levels of belonging are important. All of them are significant. We want you to have all of them in your life. And it really is a balance and a harmony of all of these different levels that give us a healthy life. Really, we see Jesus modeled this when he was on earth. He had intimate relationships. He had the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that he was the closest to. And then he had the 12 that was more his personal group. And then he had his other followers, and then he had his public. There were the levels of relationships, and all of us will have the different levels. It's having those in an appropriate balance that will really bring us life and bring health all of our life. The reality is relationships are risky. This takes risk to do this. Uh, We all know what betrayal feels like. We all know what loss of friendship looks like, that you have a friend one day and all of a sudden something's happened and it's changed. We know the pain of that. The the challenge is that we have a tendency to pull back then. That hurt. I don't want to feel that anymore. So I'm going to pull back and I'm going to isolate. But it's counter to what we've been designed to be about. Jesus got the idea and understood that people were going to betray him. He opened his heart up to his disciples, knowing that Judas was among them, knowing that he would be betrayed. He expected that to happen. That was going to take place, but he kept moving towards people. The other thing that we have to ask ourselves is when we are looking for friendships in our life, is it just for me? Is it just that I, uh, do I step into things do I go to a small group or do I go build a close relationship with somebody or do I go to one of the events at church? 
just for me? Is that my motivation to do that? Or is it possible that somebody there is, needs something from me? Maybe our motivation needs to be, what can I be for somebody? What does God want to do through me? It flips our whole motivation. Now, we are going to, as your pastors, we're going to try to uh, make it as, as easy as possible, as natural as possible to experience all of these. On Sunday mornings, we go to a lot of effort to make sure that this is a, a peaceful environment for you, that this is an enjoyable experience. We try to have things kind of flow in a certain way so that, so that you can experience life with each other in this setting. We're going to continue to have other kinds of groups that you can connect with. Make it as easy as possible for you to get involved in those settings. As a matter of fact, uh, at any time, you can respond in, in the, on the connection card here. Today, we've got a little thing about life groups. You can respond, and we will help get you connected in, in, in the best way. But the bottom line is you have to ultimately choose this. Um, you have to choose to step towards one another. And we're encouraging you to take the risk. Um, Jump in the water. The water's good. It's how you've been designed to be and what you've been designed to do. So let's trust him in that. God, we thank you for for what your heart is for our life. Lord, we look to you as our example. We we look to you and how you interplay and, and interwork as God, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, knowing that this is part of who we are. So as we look around this room, we realize that each of these are really part of me. They're part of who I am, that we all together are part of your body. And so let us not take the, the step that oftentimes our, our humanity wants to, where we want to kind of step back and self-protect. Let us continue to step towards one another, and we trust what you'll do in the midst of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Ed. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. <clears throat> Let me uh, uh, say before we close here, um, a couple of things about what they're talking about. One is I, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate that both Pastor Brandon and Janice exemplify safety uh, in their counseling practice. This is a big part of who they are. Um, I want you to know that we as a pastoral team uh, want to be a safe place for you. If you don't even know where to start, I mean, we when people talk to us, we don't, we're not bearers of tales. We just keep whatever we're told confidentially, don't even share the information with each other because it's, it's private, and we just want you to know that. But I also want you to know, because of our counseling arm of the community, um, if you completely don't know where to start, particularly if you're a person that's in a leadership position in a job or something, sometimes you don't know who in the world to begin to talk to. And where you may want to start is by coming to a counseling time. And just, I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but... Most of the top leaders in churches around the country have ongoing counseling appointments with someone. They, it, it's sort of the in the in the in the literature as you read it. These uh, these guys that pastor churches of thousands say they have to have someone they can have absolute privacy with, and so they actually just go to counseling sessions and just talk out what's going on in their lives, talk out areas of vulnerability because this is one of the reasons why people get in trouble, right? So please, if take advantage of this, if you. Do, you know, just in a very common way, but please take advantage of our counseling arm. We've got a specific uh, sanctuary counseling arm for those of you that would like counseling that's very inexpensive. 
call the church. It's like really reduced from what normal counseling costs are. It starts somewhere and start opening your heart to someone. And even if they can direct you to say, okay, let's start praying about and talking about who you could bring into your life that would be someone safe. So you don't have to do this alone, right? Pay us to help you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, tonight, oh, before I do this, today, one of the great things that I love about our community is that about three or four times a year, we do stuff that's about people other than ourselves. And today we're going to be taking up a special offering. Also next week, come on up, Scott. And uh, this is going to be for folks in Guatemala. We do a missions trip every year, medical missions trip, where we go into this uh, to a country in Central America. This year it's Guatemala. And carry out a medical missions trip. And part of what we're raising money for today is just the medicine part of it. So we're raising money for drugs. (laughs) <laughs> but tell us what we're doing here. Well, we realize that um, everybody's in different places in life, and you have an opportunity, whether it, you know, your time, your schedule, those kind of things. And so we really want as much of the body to be involved in our Guatemala outreach, which incidentally is like mobile medical clinics up rivers and in canoes and in unserved um, people in the areas, um, in the countries that we choose, and this happens to be Guatemala, which will be in the mountains, indigenous people that second language is Spanish, you know, going just remote, underserved, and have no opportunity to to really get medical attention. So we go in there, we'll treat 1,200 patients in a week, if you can imagine that. And anyway, we want to be able to share in that together as as an outreach. And so there's three opportunities for you to be able to be involved Number one is to actually go, and there's still a couple slots. If you have in July, whether it's the first two weeks or the third week in July, I'm going to be right down here afterwards. I would love to talk to you on how you can get engaged and how we can get you there. So to go. Next is just is to help, and we have a pill party, okay? This is the one opportunity you can tell your family we're going to say yes to drugs and no to pain. Anyway, on June 19th, at 6.30, right here, we're going to have, we'll probably, each year we have about 50 sanctuarians that are going through and, and working out the dosages and help. We've got the doctors here, and, you know, we're, we're doing, uh, putting them into uh, baggies so that we can hand them out and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a great time for you to really download that terms with your, with your children. If they can count to 10, we'll put them in the 10-pill category, okay? If they can count a little higher, then we're going to put them, you know, a little higher up. Anyway, it's just a great time of working together, and we'll have probably sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of pharmaceuticals that God has allowed us to have the right connections with, where we leverage. We're going to take an offering here in a second, where we leverage what you give in and just huge expand it in terms of way beyond what we'd be able to just purchase just like that. So it's really cool how that's happened. So that's June nineteenth at six thirty, and then next is to give. And just to give you an example of, of, of where your giving goes, it goes all towards the pharmaceuticals. And um, you can, like, for instance, treat with antibiotics six children for $10, okay? You can worm medicine, 25 people, um, you can treat for $10. And just one quick example is um, my wife was um, Kara, who translates and, and goes and leads um, on the trip, is she was talking to a lady that looked like she was going to have a baby, 
And um, she said, wow, when are you due? And the lady said, um, well, it's, it's worms. And so, and this well, is... Most people have worms in those yes. developing countries. Everybody that we're, we're treating, I mean, it's kind of an automatic deal, but 25 people, just $10 to treat 25 people for worms. And the challenge is they get into these the kind of a health vortex spiral down where they can't get rid of the worms and then this happens and, and you know all that kind of stuff and so what we're doing is we're reaching down with this with these medicines and just being able to help man kind of stop you know the motion downwards you know what i'm saying and then we have pastors and, and churches that come out and help us with it too it mobilizes local churches to get an idea that outreach is not just about coming and sitting in a pew and they come, and they're doing prayer teams, you know, with us afterwards, and I could go on, on and on about it. But anyway, so we're going to have an offering both today and just in case you didn't bring your wheelbarrow of cash this Sunday, you can wheel it in next Sunday. We'll also be taking that. But if it's, you just prayerfully consider being able to do that. And then the, the last story is last um, year, Dr. Vu, he had, um, um, we, he, he met a, he had a patient, one of the 1,200 Anyway, that um, had been waiting in line for three hours, and the guy was the first one there. He got in. He was. I've been a Christian for two weeks, and um, I've lost my family, my job, and everything to drugs, and I'm having difficulty in terms of um, uh, just coming, just getting better, and I need some help. And Doctor Vu was able to say, "I have something that helps withdraw symptoms to alleviate those, to help you with that pain," and the guy goes. You know, we, we happen to have that because sanctuary gave and we were able to get it. Amazing thing. And then also he had a Bible that somebody had given him when he accepted the Lord two weeks earlier. And he goes, but I, I can't read it. We also take um, glasses with us and fit him for a prescription. And then he sat there with a couple of our team members and read for like a half an hour long, you know, and he, he's crying. And he's, this is so, what an amazing day in my life. I didn't think that there was hope. Came in, I'm reading scripture I have help with this medicine for me to get on top of my life. And anyway, just that, that story can be um, multiplied, you know, time and time and again um, over the years. And we so appreciate Sanctuary, man, pressing in to this opportunity and being a part of it. So we're going to uh, take the offering once again. Meet me down here afterwards if you want to go. There's still a couple slots left. We'd love to have you. We need you. And we just appreciate uh, you guys opening your hearts. So we really appreciate it. Wonderful. Get ready with, um, let me keep this, get, get ready with your uh, uh, money or your check or whatever you're using, or if you want to use a credit card, use one of the envelopes uh, for uh, war medicine. He said that diabetes medicine, $32 for a whole year for people. Uh, children's vitamins, $5 for five children. Imagine bringing your kids up in their malnutrition, and this gives them vitamins. We'll put that together. High blood pressure medicine, $7 for a one-year supply. So this is a great opportunity for us to respond. It's hard for us to imagine living in a place where you can't even get Tylenol. I mean, these people just are sick. They're, they just have absolutely no medication, no pain medication, no other kinds of medication. So uh, I just think this is just a wonderful opportunity for us. Let's pray over this offering. Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. We pray that you'll just bless this as we give it to you and trust you to help us help people. Help us to just show your sunshine and your rain, this this reckless kind of common grace of just helping people. And uh, we just believe you smile on this. Let people come to Christ. Let people know your love and feel a sense of your care because we're there in your name. Amen.
Amen. Go ahead and pass those baskets. Also tonight, seven, six o'clock. Tonight, six o'clock, pizza and beer. <laughs> I'm just lying. There's no pizza. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just pray for your pastor. <laughs> Thank God there's more than one. All right. Um, but uh, we want you to be here. Listen, we, we have a great opportunity ahead of us. There's some really, uh, there's some challenges that we've addressed. There's some things we've bumped up against. We're trying to get our minds around. And there's some significant decisions that are being made right now that will affect us. So please come tonight. If you feel at all inclined to be a part of this community, come tonight. Just change your schedule, do whatever you can get in here and get your pizza. All right. Let's stand together. It won't be a long meeting tonight. It's just yeah, an hour at most. So uh, uh, hopefully 45 and chowing down. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's lift our voices. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Go ahead and bow your heads for just a moment. Oh, oh, do it. Now bow your heads for a moment. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Have a wonderful day. See you tonight.